Why is everyone here so good at singing? <laughs> Do you guys meet earlier <laughs> to work out this choreography? Because I'm struggling to keep up. <laughs> This uh, actually is not called a podcast. It's called a dingle hopper. Oh. You know what I mean? Because of the joke from the movie. Yes. Damon, would you please introduce this podcast? Oh, thank you, DJ. Welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot, the podcast where we look back on the things from your childhood and wonder if they were any good to begin with. My name is Damon. I'm DJ. You already said that. Hello. How you doing, Damon? Thank you for asking. I'm good. This is definitely the first episode we've recorded today, so I'm good and... <laughs> That's news to you. And that's what the deal with that is. <laughs> Today we're talking about The Little Mermaid, 1990... 1989. 1989. Is this, is this the first of the new Disney? This is the Silver Age of Disney. This is... This... Roger Rabbit paid for The Little Mermaid to get made. Wow. That's exciting. I do think this is... Roger Rabbit Roger Rabbited so that Ariel could swim. So the big three were this Beauty and the Beast. Four, I would say. Or what's the fourth? But Beauty and the Beast. Lion King, it would be the Lion fourth King, one. Little Mermaid, Aladdin. Aladdin. That's the one. Okay. Aladdin's my favorite, and I forgot about it. I'm sorry. Have we done Aladdin? No. We've only done Lion King of the big four. We got to get on this. Do people remember Disney films from their childhood? I don't think so. People definitely don't uh, base yeah. their entire personalities around it. That would be... Def they don't plan their vacations around it, I'll tell you that much. Or their Christmas decorations, regrettably. As I think both of us can attest. Disney World rules, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am a Olympic-level grump. I've yeah. won various medals, yes. regional and national, at being a curmudgeon. Mm -hmm. And even I cannot resist the corporate synergy that is... <laughs> Disney World. It's like when you gamble in Vegas or something like that, where you're like, I know that this is not, I'm not going to win. That like, this is being made to take advantage of me in every they're possible way. They're bringing me way. free drinks and there are no windows here. I get the jig. The jig is up. I get the, I get jig, the jig and it's up. <laughs> it's like, as a kid, you only see like the positive side, right? Like you don't necessarily understand the sort of capitalism. Because you're not paying for that. Because you're not paying for it. And, you know, you might hear your parents grumble about something, but you don't really know. But Or your dad scream in, <laughs> in Pioneer World because he can't find a goddamn table in this restaurant. $70 for parking? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Love you, Harry. Love you, Harry. But as you grow older, it's like, I think if you, you can still see the good in it, but also you know you're being manipulated and that you're spending hundreds of dollars. And I think we have The Little Mermaid to thank, at least for its renaissance. Obviously, it wasn't the the beginning of it all, but it was the True. the beginning of it for some, for sure. Well, yeah, it was. I think it was the first Disney movie I remember seeing in the theaters, which would make sense because they, you know, I think before this, it was The Black Cauldron. I think they were trying to move to TV, as we yeah. talked about in our Roger Rabbit episode, and Roger Rabbit's success allowed them to sort of remake the animation portion of Disney, which was almost at death's door, sort of bounced back after after that. And they're like, oh, people still want to see these uh, cartoon characters uh, that built the studios. And then later they killed it again on purpose to promote computer animation. Well, they had the princess and the frog and whatnot. Do you... <laughs> Have any thoughts on the new Ariel and, I mean, hashtag not my Ariel, obviously, but <laughs> caused a bit of a stir somewhat recently. 
It did. It did cause a bit of a stir. I thought the showing of the cloaca in the commercial was inappropriate, <laughs> but otherwise I was for it. Keep that for DVD extras. Don't <laughs> don't put it in the commercial. I'm torn on it because I really find all these live action remakes to be exhausting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, where are we going with this team? <laughs> Uh, do we get, is this the last episode of the podcast already? <laughs> I find them all, and I feel like they started out kind of interesting. Like, I don't think that Maleficent was the, all that great of a movie, but at least it was taking a different That's, uh, I feel approach like that to the, the source because, material. Yeah, because it like was not the same as like remaking Beauty and the Beast beat for beat. But with right, and then it slowly evolved into oh wait, people don't want that; they just want to watch the thing they watched before. And so we always go through this cycle of I feel like the real thrust of these movies, not to be cynical, are the casting announcements. Yeah, and then they remake the movie; it's exactly the same as the previous movie. And especially, I think the the more they have to rely on CGI in it, the closer it gets to the original. Beauty and the Beast was almost shot for shot. The original movie. And so I'm like, what am I watching? Why are you spent why are you spending all this money? Why did I fall for it and come into the theater? And what happens is it's like a cotton candy movie. You consume it and like you forget about it just as quickly. And I feel like that's the the weird thing about this this little mermaid movie, which feels like there's part of me that does like I I do get teary eyed, you know, seeing all these kids seeing themselves in Ariel. Yeah, and then I'm like, ah, oh, but this movie's gonna, but it's yeah, just be the other movie that we've already seen before. There's gonna be really no changes except for watching live action people do it instead of things. And the the weirder thing is like, why are you? There's no purpose of making this live action because it's like the Lion King was the extreme example. Yeah. They kept calling it live action. I'm like, this is not live action. You have animated all of this. You've just used realistic animation. This is ludicrous. What are your thoughts on the live action movies? I mean, no, I echo all that. I mean, obviously, it's re- people are being racist and it's ridiculous, but also... Is there a cynical part of you that thinks that Disney wants them to react badly? There is part yeah, of me that thinks... Yeah, I think they know Do that- you want... The controversy, because you know the movie's just going to be forgettable anyway, so we might as well go into it with. Well, the problem is, and this, this, this is the weird state of debate going on, debate, and especially on on the right is like the racists are the loudest. So, like, right. if most people, like, if it was like in the general vibe, if most people, and I'm not saying most people don't have inward racism or like in systemic racism and stuff, but like, I yeah. feel like most people either think or behave as if racism is wrong. You know, whether that Mm -hmm. they all their behaviors match that or not, but the majority of people feel that way. So the people that are just like blatantly or even like slightly veiled, like that's not my Ariel are the minority. They're just really loud. And Disney knows that. So it's going to be reflected and they wouldn't make this bold choice if most people didn't, at least on the surface, feel that way. I remember when A Force Awakens came out and I saw all these sort of think pieces about all the racist reactions to John Boyega being cast in it. And I remember like going on Twitter to see like, can I find these racist reactions? And I found like a handful of people, but the vast majority of the talk about racism in Star Wars was people decrying these racists that I could barely find. I feel like it becomes this sort of, I'm not saying that there aren't, fucking racist out there but 
I do get exhausted by this news aggregate machine of like just yeah yeah it, it like feeds on emboldening itself. their voice voices even louder than they ever would have in the first place, and then we have to act like it's this great debate of whether you know people are really angry that Ariel's black when it it feeds on itself and then but there's also things have changed since force awakens like it's gotten it's gotten worse and people have gotten more vocal with their blatant racism so i do think it's a little bit different because i think there are you've got like you know fucking it's not exactly the same but like kid rock shooting bud light cans or whatever so it's like yeah like they're like making a statement because they know it's going to play into their audience whether they really i mean i don't think kid rock gives a shit on reality i mean i don't know kid give us a call let us know he's doing it because don't give us a call oh, i don't want to talk to him sorry it's happening right <laughs> oh, now no, i gotta kid i gotta take kid, this no <laughs> bob hey <laughs> no no i know you're just playing no he's cool his name's bob rock yeah bob hey can you hang on a second i'm doing a podcast okay I'll bob rock jr and nicknamed kid i'll call you back because he's the junior. I'll call you back i'll call you back Oh, is he inviting you to the big ass bar and grill? <laughs> yeah. He said, Come downtown. Everybody's downtown. Why are you Absolutely talking like that? Not, kid. Why are you talking like that? You're from Michigan. Anyway. You're right. I'm not trying to downplay that there are fucking racists out there. And I, I do agree that there are more emboldened fucking racists now. I just find it's kind of like the the like we we talked about this a few episodes ago. I'm like, don't make me defend the Disney live action movies. Right. I don't yeah. want to just yeah. like the female Ghostbusters. I'm like, don't make me do this because <laughs> this also sucks, but like way less than you. <laughs> Let's get back to the cartoon though. What do you think about uh, lesbian icon Ursula? Do you have any? Oh, I love her so much. Okay. Obviously, what yeah. are you insane? Yes, this breed breeded. Don't say breeded. This bred. Don't say that either. I think. <laughs> You thought you were trying this to say this instigated, broad. <laughs> this instigated my, this broad over here, <laughs> instigated my love for Disney villains. As I've stated many times on the podcast, the only acceptable form of homophobia are Disney villains. <laughs> and uh, Ursula falls well within that range. I do love her song. Her song is my favorite yes. song, which oh, yeah. also started a trend for me of loving not only Disney villain songs, I also love a Disney villain reprise oh, when we yeah, get it occasionally. Get a reprise in there. And she gets a reprise at the end of this movie, actually technically sung by Jody Benson, who's the voice of Ariel, for reasons we'll get into. Okay. And it's often left off of the soundtrack, but I finally found a version where you get to hear Ursula's singing to herself wow. in about her scheme. That was neither here nor there. I love Ursula. Ariel, I could take her leave. Prince Eric, nice to look at. Also, white bread beyond belief. I don't remember but yeah, anything. Ursula, Ursula is the jam in this movie. I remember being charmed by Ariel. This was like a girl movie because I was young enough that it was like, ew, we can't watch that. Are girls. But like, you can't get away from Disney, you know, if you're a kid, especially at this time. And I remember watching it and be like, oh, this is cool. I like this. I think I find Ariel uh, charming. You know, the little, she's a fish out of water. Now, that's funny. Now that is funny. Yeah. Let's watch <laughs> let's watch this. I don't have anything else to say. We're just going to we're going to talk about the movie after we watch it. Watch. I'm trying to remember I remember finding out that Ursula was voiced by Pat Carroll and now I'm trying to place why I knew who Pat Carroll was going into <laughs> not a lot of going friends. Going into <laughs> Yeah, not a lot of friends, but I'm also like 7 at the time, so I'm trying to place like why would I know who this woman is? I didn't watch Police Woman. I did watch Laverne and Shirley from time to time. I don't know how involved she was. Looks like she was only in one episode. Did you watch She's the Sheriff? (laughs) 
<laughs> I have the lunchbox, but I didn't actually watch the show. Zola, yeah. Well, I'll get back to you. I'll look into it and I'll get back to you about uh, why I knew who Pat Carroll was. Just before we get started, can you reach in the in the vault and pull out Little Mermaid? Oh yeah, the Disney vault. <laughs> Did you want the VHS and the giant white clamshell? Yeah. The one with the. I do have the original VHS with, with, the, the, penis with the penis tower. Well, we need to look into that. What's going on back there? at home? Because I knew it was, I heard it was like a disgruntled animator or something, but I don't know. Yeah, I also don't know if it's actually real or just like some kid was like, "It looks like a schlong." I mean, I had the original one too, and it it definitely looks like a schlong. Like it's not like a that could be if you squint. No, like you're looking at it. They're like either somebody was. I just feel like animators are ornery enough that I could see that happening. I'm already uh, doing an image search. Okay, here we go. I do remember it does look like the base of a, you know, the head of a, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I feel like he could go either way. Yeah. Anyway, schlongs. That's what the schlong did. It went. <laughs> All right. We're going to watch The Little Mermaid. We'll be right back. would like you to watch this spin a little merm there's a 2016 little mermaid what are these okay and your most not racist <laughs> voice go ahead and extol the virtues of our patreon page and i'll and i'll play under the sea okay ready what oh my mo- oh You're going to be Wait, really tempted to did do I, the Sebastian I voice. You, I just want to tell you. Did I give you some impression that I was good at like improvising full songs? You don't need to sing it. I'm just giving you underscore. Oh, it felt like you were asking me to. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Sing a parody of Under the Sea just off the off cuff. Off the dome. Little. Uh, well, some things I would mention are that uh, you get... Oh, I'm panicking. Actually, do we have patrons? Do we even have a Patreon page? Is it at yourinnerchildisanidiot.com? That 301 redirects to patreon.com slash yourinnerchildisanidiot? You get benefits such as having your name read in the credits. You have your benefit of, you know, getting access to, you know, at the higher levels, you get the access to ask us to watch a specific movie. Maybe, you know, a chance to come to live events. Woo! Should they happen? You get a chance to uh, be 16 and get with a prince of undeterminable age. You get a chance to be attacked by a ludicrous French stereotype. You get the chance to collect forks and cutlery. You get a chance to have a daddy-style dad (laughs) who lives under under the sea. You deal with the questionable ethics of eating crabs while being best friends with a crab. Patreon.com slash you're a child is an idiot. Go check it out. Some of those offers may not apply at this time. Offers not valid in Hawaii, Alaska, <laughs> or any of the other states. Any of the contiguous <laughs> states. And we are back. We watched The Little Mermaid. 1989. 1989. I was going to say the original, but I guess not really original, original. But while I was trying to find this one on IMDb, uh, there was a 75, uh, 1975 version. There's a lot more cloaca in that one, I'll tell you. So (laughs) it's the second time you said cloaca. I'm going to work it in as often as possible. the 17th time I thought of it while I was watching the movie. It's just a good word, Damon. It's a good it's that, uh, word. O a c h a. That's a nice. Yeah. You, you don't, don't see that. Much. You don't hear that often enough. I don't think. 
I just wanted to get out an opinion. I don't like being silenced on my opinion. I'm so sorry. I like it when there's a vowel, a compound vowel, but you have to actually make a full stop. Clo. Eh? So clo. Eka. Yeah. You have to mm-hmm. like actually make a conscious effort like to get that in there. Cloaca. Yeah. Cloaca. Hey. All the fish. Dude. All the fish in the audience are like, this podcast is filthy. <laughs> this is disgusting. This is hot. You gotta get in here. Explicit. Is that what people say when they're recommending filthy podcasts? So you gotta get in here. <laughs> I don't know how many podcasts in the podcast. There's definitely a very small number of podcasts that have been described as hot in any <laughs> capacity. <laughs> I'm sure someone's attempting it. I'm sure we're under the sea. We find out that there's a princess under the sea. Mm-hmm. Her name is Ariel. Okay. Spoiler alert: she is a half woman, half fish on the smaller side. Okay. Titular Little Mermaid. Let's not talk about her that Her father way. is King Triton. Mm-hmm. She has various sisters. You don't need to go into that. Doesn't matter. Don't even know why you bothered coming up with characters for them. <laughs> it seemed pointless. She pals around with Flounder. You got uh, Sebastian, who's the court composer, also a friend of hers. Yeah. But she's so fascinated with the human world, mm-hmm. Deej. Mm-hmm. She's so fascinated. And she Just goes like to from the a, surface from a, a lot. distance, right? She, she doesn't want to like be a part of it, necessarily. No, let me stop you right there. Think of the sea and the land as two different okay. worlds. Oh, okay. okay. Sure. I'll now, she espies it. the human world. Are you staying with me? Not a whole planet, but I just mean world in a, in a general concept sense. Okay. She espies it? Is that what you said? <laughs> she espies it. If there's any sign that I do too many crosswords, it's using the word espy. She likes to watch it. Uh-huh. And she wishes to be some piece of okay. it. Okay. Okay. I'd like to be a piece of your lives, humans. Piece of your lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Tyler asked if I would sing, and I think that answers the question. <laughs> now that Tippy's pushed the door open so that my voice is you, trickling down the halls, she wants to go to Pound Town with some human guy. Okay. Some non cloaked <laughs> human man. <laughs> Presumably. He's more sphinctered than Cloacad. Stay with me. Anyway, she wants to fuck him. Cloaca. He doesn't know she exists. She's a myth, mythical creature. Anyway, her father finds out he's offended beyond belief. So she goes to the sea witch. Ursula Mm. is her name. Mm -hmm. Loud and proud, brash, one might call her, independent woman, who gives her legs at the small cost of her beautiful singing voice. Mm. So she cannot, and and her talking voice, all voices are included in the contract. Both singing, talking. They didn't mention screaming, but I assume that's part and parcel to it. With the contingent fact that she has to kiss Eric in three days. And it has to be a real kiss, not any like uh, you go to his dorm and make out, you know, on a dare. It has to be like a real kiss. But, you know, she's getting close on the second night, so Ursula changes her form into a very aerial-like form, hypnotizes the prince, gets him to marry her around sundown on the third day, and Ariel, you know, of course, doesn't succeed, and she's taken hostage by Ursula, who uh, then trades... I don't know, kingship of the sea in order, Triton uh, gives up his kingship in order to save Ariel and Ursula becomes an all-powerful witch queen, but eventually gets stabbed with the broken mast of a ship and Eric and Ariel get together forever. 
and they kiss, and Triton gives her proper legs. Not proper. It's okay to be a merwoman if that's who you are, if that's who you want to be. But Ariel didn't, so she got legs, and they got together in the end. This is one of the worst recaps. I feel like I'm getting worse at this <laughs> 170 episodes in. You forgot that since this is a Hans Christian Andersen joint originally, everyone was then murdered at the end. <laughs> and I think we all learned a valuable lesson, which is don't want or do anything. I think I've never actually read the original short story, but my brother told me that one, when Ariel walked on her new feet, it felt like she was stepping on nails the entire time. I can understand that. And I believe Eric meets another woman on her own. It's not Ursula in disguise, it's just another woman, oh. and then Ariel kills herself. Jesus. So you're not far off. I think generally speaking, Disney has done a good job adapting fairy tales to be uh, less <laughs> <laughs> less horrific? horrifically depressing what boggles my mind is that you'd read that story and go like i see a cartoon in here <laughs> for children you know what there's something here yeah. what if we had a talking crab and i don't know take away the suicidal ideations <laughs> begins with a song that i didn't know existed with uh fathoms below man yeah is that common knowledge this song well it's common knowledge if you start the tape <laughs> then the song comes i on. just forgot completely but i've seen this before but it just did you record it off the tv and maybe your dad was like five minutes late putting yeah, it on the tv yeah. it was like <laughs> and you just saw the opening credits and you're like yeah this is the beginning it right? was like pizza hut commercial tracking an old episode <laughs> of dallas some more tracking and then we're we're 10 minutes into the movie solid some howard ashman and alan minken work here they did they yeah. did songs There's a lot of howard ashman you might know him he i think his big break was he did the music for the broadway and then you know of course the movie version of little shop of horrors okay suddenly seaboard that's a yes that was originally written for little mermaid and he's mm. like you know what i think it works better than the murdering plant song especially because that one has a character named seymour i don't know why i wrote it for this mermaid joint. i mean seymour would be a pretty good mermaid name how so What's your, uh, can you back that up? You see there in the sea <laughs> more oh, okay. than a human would be. That's that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> Case closed. You did a great job. Howard Ashman is great. He did this, the music to this, and he also, on while dying of AIDS, did the music for Beauty and the Beast, I wow. believe, as well. I think someone told a story of him on his deathbed doing rewrites for some of the music of, of Beauty and the Beast. And not to take away from the the sort of how nice that story is, like in the sense that he's like, you know, dedicating his craft. But also I remember hearing from folks who've like had long hospital stays and it's like, it gets mm -hmm. pretty boring. So if you can do <laughs> something. Not to disparage Howard Ashman, but I'm sure there's very little to It do. was really a gift to him that they made him work <laughs> on his deathbed. Support unions, everyone. <laughs> Do you think... Okay, so I know neither of us have children, so we can't really speak to this specifically. That, that I know of. But do you think it's troubling that Ariel's clearly Triton's favorite in so much as he says it? <laughs> I'm looking forward, especially my little also Ariel. Also, the movie, if the movie's favorite. Yeah. I'm always amazed that they... I keep forgetting that she has not just a few sisters, she has like yeah. six other sisters. Yeah. And they're all named... In the opening song, well, not in the the second song, yeah. and they get that scene, and then they come in briefly again to the point where I'm again startled by their existence, <laughs> oh, their right. mere yeah. existence. I'm like, oh yeah, these must be the sisters again. All oh, my favorites, like Bessica and Flickenbaugh. Oh, Bessica. 
<laughs> you, you go, girl. What is it? What is that? A new sienna anemone fin- in your hair? Finia and <laughs> Pearl. No, that Pearl? makes oh, sense. That's, that's actually that's, a pretty that's solid pretty mermaid name, Pearl. Yeah. What did they say in the song? Do they say actually that she's his favorite in the song? Well, I don't know if he. They sure give her a big lead. Yeah, in. I don't know. I don't know if he says like she's my favorite, but he does say I'm looking forward to to seeing this, especially my little Ariel, and like uh, he's clearly got. I mean, well, it's her debut. It's her big debut, which is apparently something that all his daughters have a debut in the opera house. I'm just saying. And, I know it's okay. I know it's common for parents to say this they don't have a favorite and of course yeah. it would be very damaging f- to the children if you were to say this out loud <laughs> but you got a favorite right i mean come on well i mean but yeah well i don't like to i mean she's just so she's just so little she's just my you baby know? do you have any problem with the fact that flounder who's our one of many sidekicks a lot of sidekicks in this. I for- I kind of forgot as well. I could have told you that there were, but I think this is the first time I've actually processed like how many fucking sidekicks there I are. I completely forgot about the seagull, so we'll get to him. But Flounder's fin is, so you see the line of his body through it, but it's not, tra- it's blue. Yeah, it's like translucent. But it's like translucent. Does that, it looks like a drawing error to me and it upset me. And as an artist, I thought maybe you'd have an opinion on that. I have the exact opposite uh, reaction. I noticed it, and I love that little detail that his fin is transparent. And they, you can see the edge of his little belly through his you fin. You like that? But it's otherwise blue. I didn't like that. And <laughs> let me tell you so why. So you're a child's an idiot. Let me tell you why. Well, if we're going for verisimilitude, okay. he's not mm-hmm. going to look anything like that. He's going to be flat, and his eyes are going to be on the top, because flounders so are freaky-looking fish. So you think his, his name and his species are both flounder? You think he's just he's called flounder because that's how he behaves? Yeah, he's he's a mess. Yeah. He's a he's a messy bitch, and <laughs> <laughs> they call him flounder. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, I remember assu- making the same assumption that he must yeah. be a flounder fish, and then I saw a flounder, and I was like, ugh. I'm glad they didn't yeah. go with no, versatility. It, it was the this. right move. Although he does do a flounder move at one point during Part of Your World, where he tucks into the little sand at the bottom of uh, Ariel's collection oh. room. A little Easter egg. But yeah, for I the, assume uh, he's some other kind of fish that's just named flounder. Well, they're very like Ariel's sister Pearl that we made up. They're also usually more sand colored. So, right yeah. for evolutionary purposes. I don't really think it matters. I just. Wanted to be persnickety about something. Crabs, if we're just going to keep complaining. Yeah, let's do it. Crabs also don't have dog penises for heads, as as Sebastian seems to. They usually just have, they don't really have distinguishable heads. They have a body with two eye yeah. stalks that come out, as we all will soon have to deal with in the Little Mermaid live <gasps> action version. Have you seen Sebastian? In the new one, he looks more like a crab. He looks like a literal crab, and you're oh, like, no. oh, yeah, that's why Disney made that's those That's why choices. they didn't do that. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm upset, and I haven't even seen it. But it is also, I mean, sometimes I'm so used to Sebastian as a character from growing up with him that I forget that crabs do not have pink lipstick as a head that just comes out of their <laughs> shell. He, he kind of looks- Nor do they have va- very luscious lips. Mm. I mean, he, he kind of looks more like a lobster than a- Crab. And even that is a little bit. Yeah, it feels like, hey, well, you seem to be making your own animal up anyway. Why don't you make him into like a gooseneck clam? That seems to be what you want his his, Uh, his, uh, species to be. (laughs) 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 
oh, it's very phallic. It's a lot more phallic than I would think for a kid's movie. You know, a lot of this, apparently, we've got the castle. we got the Sebastian's mm, head. We've got Sebastian's head. we got Eric's penis, which makes an appearance in the third act. Not in this version, but <laughs> the, the version I've hand animated, it does. <laughs> in the fanfic that I've been creating. <laughs> I thought the eels, Flotsam and Jetsam. Excellent. Very nice. That is good that eel is name. Good eel name. Good, good job. I thought they good were- sea villain name. Yeah. They were, I mean, they don't look exactly like eels. It's still a cartoon, but they, they were more eel-like. They were probably my favorite. Okay, yeah, that's what an eel, that's the vibe of an eel. They had more of a, I don't know what an electric eel versus a moray looks like, but morays seem to have those under, yeah. that underjaw that they have. Yeah. They are, I wouldn't say terrifying, but they are very effective at skeezing me out, yeah. especially this time. I don't think I really processed them as a kid, but they're voiced by the same woman, and sometimes they speak in unison and sometimes they don't. They get, get the a, eyes. They're very Each effective, one has a- and their eyes glow. I like them a lot. Yeah. I wish they could have gotten a little bit more because Ursula accidentally kills them at some point, and I don't know if they're entirely fleshed out to the point that... That was kind of upsetting. I wanted them either to be like, for me to feel sympathy for Ursula or for me to be like, yes, we got it. Yeah. But they weren't, they weren't so evil that you were like, ooh, those dastardly flotsam and jetsam. Yeah. You've been asking all the questions. Maybe I can Trying to guide the conversation. Questions. It works better no, if- No, uh... you're doing great. I'm, I'm a mess. <laughs> it seems to work better if I ask you questions. <laughs> Then go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean Sebastian, which I I knew that he was I guess I never really put it together that he was the royal composer. I have I have not seen this movie all the way through since I was a child. So I'm gonna give myself a little bit of a break on that. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you some grace on yeah. this one. <laughs> Although why the composer has such an important job. Yes. Oh, is this what you were about that's, to say? That's the question is is like seems to be on security yeah, detail as well. He gets he, he also he comes in and he's sort of yes anding everything Triton says. And that kind of makes sense because he's like – it was like, oh, is he his right-hand crab or is he just kind of in this because Ariel ruined the concert because it was like, here she is, Ariel, and then she wasn't there. So that was like – that kind of <laughs> still worked. But then <laughs> Triton's like, all right, you're constantly going to be on Ariel watch. This is your job. Cuff her to a coral reef if you have to, he says. And it was really upsetting. No, you can cut yourself real bad on those coral yeah, reefs. Yeah. Do it anyway. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it it was kind of like, was- why are we... Why is he getting charged with that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, why is it important that Sebastian has to be the royal composer? Because I guess later, Sebastian composes that song on the fly to, you know, try and get Eric and Ariel to bone. Yeah. But that seems like, I mean, that seems like musical logic where I don't feel like you need to explain someone bursting into yeah. song. You don't actually, wait, which songs are just people actually having a conversation and serves as a metaphor and which ones are literal diegetic <laughs> songs in that are happening in real time, Little Mermaid? Slow slow down. Why is everyone here so good at singing? <laughs> Do you guys meet earlier <laughs> to work out this choreography? Because I'm struggling to keep up. And we all don't have the same physiology. Like some of us have six legs. These flamingos over here have, have some legs, but they have to shut down half their body when they go to sleep. <laughs> it's just really, I feel like we just really need to go back to basics. Yeah. Maybe like a step ball change type thing and just keep our arms in place. Just FYI, Damon knows the whole Newsies dance. So if we can just <laughs> start with that and then build off of it. Just to interrupt, Lauren is is not here tonight and she has texted me the Sturgeon and Ray, they get the urge and start to play. 
So <laughs> I did appreciate all those uh, various sea themed fish, fish rhymes. The lyrics under the sea. So the songs in this. I mean, let's go ahead and talk about it because we were talking about Sebastian. We've been holding it in for so <laughs> long. But wait, I'm sorry. I just wanted to because we do have like a right hand man for Triton, and it's that little seahorse that I forgot even exists. Yeah, he's more he's like got a the page. little rough. Yeah, oh, it's so he's cute. Adorable. The, those little rough seahorse. I was concerned. My adult brain kicked in when at one point he sees Ariel and Flounder and they're going off to her grotto for the first time. And he goes, what is that? Don't do the accent. What is that girl up to? I'm like, there's no way this fucking crab is able to keep up with these two motherfuckers. They've got full fit. She's got a full half of her body. He doesn't though. He can't swim that fast. He's just like. Yeah, I loved it. Do crabs swim? Yeah. I mean, I feel like they like... Or do they just move on the floor of the... I feel like they can swim some. Maybe I'm thinking lobsters. They just, or do they gracefully sink? Mm. Are they the Buzz Lightyears of the sea? Yeah, maybe... I mean, I can't imagine, like, can't. how would those things All right. move through... But I guess... Lo- well, do lobsters swim? Lobsters swim. Or they've got the little... They've got their tail. They can... I mean, I guess I can swim, so... Like, I mean, I don't have gills, but I mean, I can swim... Some crabs, some crabs, this is just whatever the first thing that popped up on Google, so not vetted. Counts. Some crabs swim. Most crabs, like stone crabs or spider crabs, walk or run across the bottom. However, crabs in the family Portunidae, I'm sure sure I pronounced that perfectly, have specifically modified back legs called swimmerettes. Swimmerettes, okay. These paddle-shaped legs rotate at 20 to 40 revolutions per minute, allowing the crab to quickly swim through the water. Thank you, myfwc.com research I really saltwater got, crustaceans. I, in this day and age, when I hear a URL that starts with my, I was just ready for mypillow.com. And I was like, why are they writing <laughs> well, so much about FWC crabs? is Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, so back the fuck up, Okay. <laughs> When has anything been taught incorrectly in Florida? You know? <laughs> I have no qualms about the education system <laughs> in Florida. Sorry, I interrupted you from si- singing, play on words, Howard Ashman's praises on lyrics. Yeah, it's so a lot of jams in this. We got, I was surprised by how much I actually enjoyed part of, part of your world because it's kind of a schmaltzy. This is like the beginning of the I wish thing, you yeah, know. This is her I wish, yeah, yeah and her I wish song. And those are usually not my favorites. And it's it's not my favorite, but that run. <laughs> stay out there in the sun. That's a fucking run right there. That is very good. It makes the song. She only does it what, like twice, maybe three times or something. It's it's very good. Yeah, she gets a few reprises. Well, she, I think she gets a reprise and then our chorus at the end. Yes. No, I, I mean a, that. Out of you. Yeah. <laughs> at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, under the sea. That's a jam. Kiss the girl is a jam. Kiss the girl is a jam. Uh, poor, poor unfortunate, unfortunate souls, souls get out of here. Is with a fucking that. great song. I had the same realization with Party of Your World. I loved it as a kid, and I think at some point, I, I unconsciously or subconsciously turned against it in the same vein of like, this is just a schmaltzy, yeah. you know, Disney song. I'm badass emo <laughs> Damon. Watch my I'm hair. riding skateboards and I've got a chain on my wallet. Yeah. Even during emo years, I didn't have enough hair to actually come in front of my. That's pretty good. You, although you have a rockabilly, it is kind of more. It's like coming to a yeah. peak, like Brian Seltzer. I can't pull Seltzer? it off. Seltzer. 
Brian Seltzer, famous rockabilly to the Canada Dry Fortune. <laughs> you can only get it in the proper seltzer area in Canada. Anything else is just sparkling water. There are so many rings in your glasses right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm traveling backwards through time. I'm with Mr. Peabody and I'm going back in time. Look. I was saying something. You were talking about a part of your part world. Part of your yeah. world is really great. That run is really great. The whole song is really good. I added it to my running mix because <laughs> I was very charmed by it. I can't. That's like, that's fine. I'm, this is not a judgmental laugh so much as <laughs> what is your running mix like? It's, this it is insane. slides right in. There are more than one Julie Andrews songs on my running mix. Stay all day in the sun. Oh. It just gets my energy up, even if the beat isn't. Yeah, do, look, whatever gets you going. And it does. It literally gets me going. Because <laughs> I'm going because I'm running. Yeah. I'm going sure. places. I'm going from one place. I do want to talk about, while we're on Part of Your World, not really the biggest fan of talk singing. Kind of is upsetting sometimes. <laughs> there's a lot. There's She, she hits the, uh, oh, what do you call it? Fork or whatever, whatever the line is. <laughs> That's not it. That's not one of them. What do you call it? Feet. And then what's a fire? Why does it? What's the word? Burn. What's the word? What's the word? Burn. Oh, what? What's the other one? It's what do you call it? Street. That's the yeah. other one. Went to that well one too many times for me because I already talk singing. It's a very high school. I feel like it's a very theater kid yes, vibe. Yes, that's what it is. It's a little try hard. Cringe, as the kids yes, might even yes. say. Someone who is judging me would call me. I don't disagree with you. It didn't bother me as much. Uh, when she <laughs> when she pulls on Flounder's little back fins, which is the first one, yeah. and she like sort of scrunches her nose, I th- feel like they must have rotoscoped someone for this. Yeah. Because there are a lot of like little animation choices. I'd like to talk about the animation later on. Well, I want to stay on music for a bit. But that is such a cute little yeah. moment. Yeah. Especially once she gets to uh, what's a fire and why does it, what's the word burn? While I think is very clever. Yeah. Like, yes, a mermaid would not know what fire right. is. <laughs> that one she just sort of sings through. Right. Almost doesn't like give it the time of day. It didn't bother me a lot, but I can see that opinion. I think that was like more... It didn't quite ruin it for me, but it didn't help. And I think uh, <laughs> I dislike talk singing as much as I like rhythmic laughing. So <laughs> those are the two ends of your musical spectrum. I don't spectrum. think that's true. That's not even true. I hope one day we get to cover a Mary Poppins so that you can slowly die as David Tomlinson goes all out like, wait, are you actually inventing rap now? <laughs> like you're talk singing so much. It's deranged. Another banger. Les Poissons, Les Poissons. Wow. Just the only reason I know that song is because Lauren sings it. (laughs) Quite a fair. Anytime you make fish? Just kind of anytime. I had missed one. She does that a lot. She was, by the way, adorably singing along through this whole song. This is a big one for her. So I agree with her with I have missed one is something that is embedded in my brain. I probably wouldn't even if someone said, why did you say that? I'd be like, I don't know what that's from. Right. I have missed one. Why did I say it in an accent? Another one that is also has bored a hole into my nascent little tween brain was nothing is happening when Scuttle is waiting for Eric and Ariel to kiss right before kiss the girl. He says it, Buddy Hackett has a very good 
cartoon voice. Yeah. And he says, nothing is happening. He holds the H, which is an odd <laughs> is an odd letter to hold. And it makes me laugh. And it's one of my, this is not a quotable line, but I'm going to quote it yeah, anyway. Yeah. Also applicable in many situations. So it, it kind of works. I did have various triggered moments during this movie in a good way. Can you be goodly triggered? Don't say goodly. Les Poissons, sure. I remembered, was my favorite scene as a kid. Yeah. I laughed in the theater. I loved it so much. I thought it was so funny because it is this weird, like Looney Tunes moment. It exists for no reason but to exist. It is very zany and madcap, very, you know, Roadrunner, Wiley mm. Coyote type action and it's so also his song is great oh, the cinematography in that scene so is good. fantastic Kel Dimage, what a loss I here laughed. you go in the sauce that's more lyrics <laughs> when he says stuff you with bread don't hurt cause you're dead and you're certainly lucky you are I'm like why would you say that why would you say that to a thing that's <laughs> he already he loves dead? his job it's so fun, but has so much rage he seems both happy and the angriest, most murderous person I've ever seen. Don't hurt, because you're dead. <laughs> also, the cinematography during that song is really good because they never show him actually cutting the fish that he's he's yeah. serving. And so it like creates a lot of like horror film imagery. It's really well done. Yeah. It puts you in, of course, in the situation of being Sebastian, seeing it through Sebastian's eyes, who is the character stuck in that situation at the time. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know Did why. you have to fill time? Why did that just really? happen? What? what? What is this, a debate? <laughs> a presidential debate? Like I was watching the lights go down. And I was like, wrap it wrap up. Wrap it up. 20 seconds. He's going to ask me another question. I got to move on. Oh, what we're talking about. I yield my time. Thank you. you TJ, <laughs> go ahead. Let's keep talking about songs. We, we kind of, I mean, I, we don't have to go through everything. But again, with the lyrics, everybody knows Under the Sea. So, but we got a hot crustacean band. Yeah. The Newt plays the flute. Yeah. The bass plays the brass, mm. but the place plays the bass, which is funny because bass is spelled the same as bass. bass. Smart. The carp plays the harp and the, what was the last one? Something is the Duke of Soul. Oh, yeah. Fluke? Is that a, a fluke? fish? Fluke is, a, is like the tail of a whale. I could- Whoa. A whale of a I'm tail. I'm basically writing under the sea right now. You're Howard Ashman. And of course, what Lauren was quoting. Have you ever been in the same room together? <laughs> the Sturgeon Array, they get their urge. And start to play. And start to play, That's yeah. It's a really great song. I have another triggered memory from watching Under the mm -hmm. Sea. When I lived in Texas, I knew all the words to Under the Sea sure. from memory. As most Texans My did. friend Jesse knew that I knew all the words to Under the Sea from memory. And one time we were riding our bikes and two kids for some reason we got stopped by two kids and their mom who were sitting on the porch and we were talking to them for a bit and for some reason jesse said well you know he knows all the words to under the sea from little Little mermaid and they got me to sing it i sang the entirety of under the sea to literal strangers now here's the kicker here's the little cherry on top of this story a few weeks later, these same two kids, not with their mom, just running around the neighborhood, stopped me and said, are you that guy who knows the song Under the Sea? And I said, no. 
you learned your lesson the second time. No, I feel so guilty. Why did I lie to them for no reason? I, I knew it. They knew it. It was a pointless lie. Wanna... It was like a Donald Trump lie. You didn't want to fucking tap dance for these strangers. <laughs> I don't think that's that Why crazy. Why did I want to do it the first time? You felt time. social I pressure. I was like into it. I oh, was you, okay. into it okay. the first time. Well, maybe it wasn't as fun as you thought it was going to be. Probably by the time I got to verse two, I was like, this is ridiculous, right? Yeah. Like I, I saw myself from the outside and I was like, what am I maybe doing? Maybe in your your sweet tarts addled mind, you thought <laughs> they're going to join in. It's going to be fun. It's going to be like the movie. He's going to start playing right, on. Of course. They'll be the sturgeon shells. and or the rat. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a hot crustacean band. <laughs> And then it didn't happen, and you were like, I got I got two minutes and 15 seconds left of this motherfucking thing, and I don't know it well enough to speed it up that much, okay? Not to say you couldn't have done that. I don't know. I'm just- I don't have the rhythm to I'm just, just trying, trying to put myself in your- Key signatures. ashes and figure out what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to address, or should I save this for Damon's Problematic Let, Do you want to go to Damon's Problematic Corner? We got- Just real quick, I just want to pop in there and then we can pop right back. Hit the theme song. Let's do it. A one, two, three, four. Okay, that theme song this week was from a very special friend. Tommy Boy is my favorite movie. Yes, and his progeny. So thank you for that. Tommy Boy is my favorite movie, Junior. (laughs) And the third. (laughs) Anyway, hit it. One of the many fish that are mentioned in this scene, uh, one is the blackfish. Did you catch that? Mm, No. Well, you may have luckily been looking down at your phone when she came up, but she is a literal blackfish, and she has big pink lips mm. and is singing uh in a like a jazzy voice okay. i feel like i had heard that they had changed this in one of their releases to be less pointed mm-hmm. less black facey but maybe i imagined that maybe i imagined that's what they should do and they didn't but i rem- i remember seeing it in my version watched on disney plus i i was like oh she's still here mm. But you didn't see it, so now it's just me talking about it. I didn't see it. Do, is there any lingering issues with just Sebastian, like obviously voiced by a person of color, but still like just the sort of, it's a little bit exaggerated, kind of very in, cartoonish. Samuel E. Wright plays Sebastian, yeah. a black man. But yeah, there is, I don't know, there is there is something about Sebastian. Yeah, I mean, if you were in 1989 saying, you know, play a Jamaican, you know what I mean? This is, th- right. that's like, went intense. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is playing into the stereotype. Right. He, is, he has a very exaggerated Caribbean accent. Yeah. Samuel Wright is not from the Caribbean, right. at least by birth. He is, he is from South Carolina. Studies show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm being overly sensitive about Sebastian or not. He has large lips in yeah. it as well. It's hard with cartoons because you're like, it's a cartoon. and He's also a crab. He's also he's a, a crab. crab. He's a cartoon. He's in the Caribbean. You know what I mean? Like, well, I guess I don't really know where this is. Actually, I don't know where, where they but are. But it all checks. Like, you could say it's in the Caribbean. I'd be like, okay. So you can kind of defend it, but it's also like the tradition of having exaggerated characters and the sort of minstrel show aspect of it and like all of that dark history is all wrapped up in it. So you kind of you kind of can't say, well, it's just a cartoon if you have this sort of full history. Disney being one of the 
worst offenders. Oh, yeah. So, like, uh-huh. you kind of have to just at least acknowledge it. And, of course, like, two white guys talking about it is a, a whole thing, too. There is definitely some, yeah, it's just a cartoon, but there's also, like, yeah, but. And, of course, then you have the Blackfish, which I didn't see for some reason. Have you missed that Blackfish? I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't even on my phone. <laughs> You're probably too busy dancing. You're probably like, I wonder what nine-year-old Damon, if he knew the words to this song. Can you do the Newsies dance to this? <laughs> I got it out of the way. There's only one more problematic yeah, corner thing, but I want to save it for my end. Oh, no. Don't say my end. What's the end. point of the corner if we got to... You're right. We should stay in the okay. corner. So this is the biggest one. Yeah. We know that Ariel is 16 years old. Yeah. Prince Eric, now, he could be a well-developed 16-year-old man. Prince Eric doesn't look like he has bad posture and that his breath smells like flaming hot cheetos. <laughs> he looks like a, a, an adult man. And so it is very Don't get so turned on when you say that. I don't appreciate it. The flaming hot adult cheetos? Adult man. Oh, well, I mean, I, I love I love adult <laughs> men. I prefer them, I think, over the alternative. Hot take alert. <laughs> yeah, did, did that bother you? I mean, she mentions it once, and but it's still it's, like... Ugh, it's played like... Why do you even mention it? It's played like an old school... Star-crossed lovers kind of thing. Like, he's a prince, and he's supposed to marry well, you know, and kind of, he has these familial obligations and stuff, and he's not been able to fulfill them because, luckily, his, whoever's making him do this, we don't really see a whole lot of the rest of the family, which is fine. I don't, I don't need it. He's a prince, but there doesn't seem to be a king or queen that are yeah. in charge. But he's, he's clearly got these, these duties that he's not, but, and I, it seems like maybe he's like, early to mid 20s or something like that. I mean it's it doesn't really that's all just a guess, but that seems like the vibe, right? Like he's been around long enough to not be a teenager, but he still seems pretty young and he's like learning, like he's on the ship and he's clearly a greenhorn on the ship, right? They're bossing him around and a little bit and like telling him all well, this yeah. is they're telling him about mermaids. So he's still young enough to have not been that much around. I'm theorizing that he is still not of age. So he cannot take his kingship. That's why we don't see a king and queen. They're dead. And uh, in order to attain attain his kingship, he has to get married. Okay. And that's why Grimsby and Carlotta are so invested to him getting married. Yeah. There you go, everyone who's trying to find a workaround. I got an underage Eric. Don't say I got an underage Eric. (laughs) Got an underage Eric over here. We got underage Eric. <laughs> Everyone stop masturbating to Eric. We got an underage Eric over here. It's in my head cannon. I think the the most problematic thing is just everything about the way that we approach Ariel, right? She's a mermaid, so she's pretty scantily clad the whole time, yeah. which is its own problem. 16-year-old in just a bra. Yeah. and uh, No bottoms, no panties on. No. Put something on down there. Well, when she's turned to a human, she's actually doesn't have bottoms then they make well, obviously they don't show that in <laughs> but but it's like right. i was like couldn't they just have her have like who cares it's magic right i don't know why ursula has to take her seashells away at the very least like, yeah <laughs> that's not contingent on the legs unless that's part of her mermaid body haunting wow okay now i'm upset now I'm really upset. <laughs> I was fine with the <laughs> misogyny, but now, yeah. So she's, you know, she's a teenager. So, yeah, we do get a scantily clad, or not a not non unclad, one might say. Right, Ariel. It's not. Well, would you say it's it's not super sexual? Although the fact that there is a nude sixteen year old girl on my screen, yeah, is it ever not sexual? It's 
pretty, I mean, it's fairly chaste for her running around, uh, you know, like running around. That makes it sound like I'm the <laughs> oldest man that's ever lived. Running around <laughs> with a tail and a seashells, but it's it, <laughs> like I could. I'm trying to see it from someone who's like trying to guard their children, or like trying to look at it from a feminist point of view. Of like, she's a teenager. It's very Romeo and Juliet in the sense that it's problematic in and of itself. And I don't think if we're looking at it deeply, I don't think that is necessarily. They're not saying she's right. They're just saying she feels this way. But then at the end, we do kind of say she's right because King Triton, which by the way, like, so she changes back to a, a mermaid and then without asking her again, Triton just <laughs> gives her her legs back. Now, presumably he could be like, all right, sorry, I, I didn't realize you changed your mind on change her She's back. Like, After I did it, I hated it. Dad, yeah. just ask me. He's like, oh, mulligan. My bad. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird lesson that like at the end is like, I don't know. On one hand, I think what it's trying to do is saying children grow up and they have wants and hopes and dreams of their own. And you got to like try to, support them and let them make their own mistakes and kind of, you know, to do their own thing, which I think is a good lesson. But there's also this, she's still a child and she clearly just met this guy. And do you have any obligation to try and protect her? But do you also want to like let her have her own autonomy? So I don't know. It's, it's a little problematic just from a from that perspective. No, I think uh, Romeo and Juliet is a good example of like, you know, they say that it's two separate plays, one that you read when you're a teenager and then one you read when you're an adult because as a teenager, you're like, oh, to meet someone like that. Yeah. And then when you're an adult, you're like, oh, what is wrong with you kids? You poison <laughs> each other, stabbing each other just because you want a bone and you get married and the monk lets it happen because, why? Because these teenagers who like share a street want to get married. That's a very good example. I also, of course, had a very queer read of this movie. Sure. This is a girl who wants to completely live a different life separate from her family, wants to leave the life she left behind, wants to engage with people that her father finds offensive at the very core of his being. Yeah, that's a good point. There's sort of a vibe of like, leaving your hometown to go achieve your dreams and go be with people who would finally accept you. And your parents don't understand it, but you want to go have legs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I read that a lot more this time than yeah. when I saw it five times in the theater, by the way. I remember that while I was watching this movie, that me and my brother saw this five times in the that theater. Was the only yes, way you could memorize, that was the only way you could memorize the song at that <laughs> age. True. We didn't have Spotify well, then. Yeah. That really got me this time is that she really does want to leave her family in a, in a yeah, way that completely offends her. That's a, her a really interesting read. With that, people that completely disgust her father. Yeah. And this may not surprise you given my all of this, but I completely missed that read. <laughs> <laughs> it does put a different perspective on it. Do you have a read on, so speaking of the queer angle on <laughs> Ursula and her sort of internalized misogyny potentially towards Ariel and like that whole thing, plus obviously being seems somewhat coded, <laughs> like lesbian is kind of like, and I don't know how coded it is so much as like, that's the read. Do you think she's, I feel like I never, I never got the coded as lesbian vibe. I mean, she's definitely, just of course, embraced, she's famously, yeah. she's famously based on a drag queen. She's right. famously based on divine her look, her character design. She also, I mean, she's a very independent woman and yeah. in like, she's very sexual in and of herself. She seems very confident. They've made her, she's a very large woman, but yet also very comfortable in her skin, which is, 
I don't know if they really play up her size for laughs all that much. She sort of Not just sort of becomes of a commanding presence. It is interesting though in the in the sort of feminist read of this movie that you have this very commanding powerful woman convincing this young girl to literally give up her voice and just men don't like that. You're going to want to be a quiet, demure thing. Just go along with whatever he says. Men, men don't like a woman with opinions who stands up for herself, which is, I think I, I can't remember. This is only a, I wouldn't even say a half memory. This is like a quarter memory. I remember someone trying to like complain about Ursula in that regard. And I remember thinking, well, she's a villain for one. She's not really supposed to come away with her worldview in this, but she also is, I mean, obviously being a hypocrite, like she yeah. is obviously, she doesn't even believe the thing she is telling. Yeah, she's Aerie. trying to trick her. Yeah, She is trying to trick her in order to steal uh, Triton's kingdom. For, because for as, we all, as we all, this was the week of Charles' coronation. And we all know if you put on the hat, you're the king. And that's what <laughs> Ursula was trying to get at the whole time. <laughs> I love Ursula though. I think I really loved her as a kid. I really loved Poor Unfortunate Souls, but I was literally transfixed every time she was yeah. on screen in this movie. Let's continue talking about Ursula, but get out of the corner. Let's get out of oh, this yeah, corner. Let's get out of the corner. Back to the song corridor we were in. Ursula also has, I don't know if it's the best song, but an excellent song. For me, it might be my, it's absolutely my favorite song in The Little Mermaid. I stated in our introduction that I have a a soft spot for Disney villain songs, especially a Disney villain reprise, which we can get to. But this also, it's not only a catchy song, it's a funny song. And like Pat Carroll can really fucking sing this song. Yeah. Like she's really got a great voice. She has a very rat gravelly voice, but she also can hit all sorts of notes throughout this pathetic. (laughs) So good. Oh, she's great. For me, this is hands down the best song in the, in the movie. It's definitely, I mean, for me, it's either, it's either the best or tied with, I, I, not to be a basic B, but under the sea (laughs) is a jam. So I forgot about the, the poor unfortunate souls, like they're very weird looking little characters, little oh, you shriveled mean the actual up. garden she yeah, has? Yeah. And I was like, what? What is this? <laughs> Lauren said, you're about to find out in song form. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I am. And you get those pretty much, pretty back to back. Like they're pretty close together. You get poor unfortunate souls and then you get, or no, I don't remember you what they. Under the sea and then poor unfortunate, and then poor unfortunate souls unfortunate is almost soul. to me. Yeah. And then, no, wait. Actually, no, it's not. She goes to the grotto and she's Prince, Prince Eric's statue oh, yeah, yeah. and then okay. destroys yeah, you're right. the... You're right. But also she gets a really good line, which is, one mustn't lurk in doorways. It's rude. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I want to pull up the lyrics to Poor Unfortunate Souls because I feel like there are a lot that I enjoy. I do like when she claims that she's a saint. In the song, she claims that she used to be a witch and now she's only trying to help people. And she uh, says, uh, she grabs, she has these little like tendrils that are hanging in her little alcove or whatever. And she grabs one of them and she like wraps it around her head and says, on the whole, I've been a saint. And then immediately like goes into sort of a- a shimmy. A cabaret yeah. shimmy. Like with, she pulls the tendril back down behind her back and sort of shimmies with her very voluptuous bosoms shaking. And I was like, this is a Disney movie, man. <laughs> you're not only being like sexual, you're being like kind of blasphemous at the same time. <laughs> it's very charming. She also, is she the one that says, got that? <laughs> three days three days three days 
she does a lot of because even when she says you mustn't lurk in doorways it's rude yeah <laughs> pathetic i like that i'm gonna try to work that pathetic. Way yeah she gets a lot of theater asides as well to flotsam and jetsam yeah you have your looks your pretty face and don't underestimate the importance of body language more <laughs> shimmying by the way <laughs> Oh, and she gets a really like almost spoken word. If you want to cross the bridge, my sweet, you've got to pay the toll. Take a gulp and take a breath and go ahead and sign the scroll. And then another aside, Flotsam Jetsam, now I've got her, boys. I love this song. It's, it's very good. Very up tempo. It's got a lot of little bits. And then she she gets her she gets a weird she says max laryngitis, which is apparently the call to take away Ariel's ah. voice. La voce to me. Also, Latin, voce for voice. Oh. Isn't that fun? That's a little uh, Latin Easter egg for you. It's a great song. Should have stuck this maybe in Problematic Corner, but she also calls her the little tramp later. Oh my God. Yeah, I did write that. I was like, I said oh, the little whoa, tramp. Whoa. I was amazed that that would be in a Disney movie. What does she say? Because this is right after Ariel and Eric almost kiss yeah during yeah, kiss the girl and she and uses flotsam and jetsam to tip over their little rowboat yeah what does she say she says the little tramp yeah i thought that was i was like whoa i guess that's uh not one that i would have uh... she's better than i thought so it wasn't that clever but i still thought it was funny also i can say you know as a very clumsy person in romantic situations almost kissing and something awkward happening usually doesn't take your mind completely off what you were about let's to do. Let's get back to the kissing, please. Yeah, you're like, let's get back to the things we were doing. Maybe on the shore where eels can't knock over our rowboats. Once again, we were so close to me putting my face against your face. If we could do that again. <laughs> just wanted to clarify. <laughs> let's just put a pin in it. Get to shore. And then, you know, we can revisit this then. Ur- Ursula's like crawl at the end across the ship. It was very terrifying. I, I didn't remember that. It was like- Her whole... I remember when we had it on VHS, my brother would pause it and unpause it, pause it and unpause it. When she bursts from, I believe her, technically her name is Veronica from her uh, her yeah. alter ego. When she bursts from her body, bosoms first again. And then she does this like almost army crawl yeah. with her tentacles behind her. Also, let's point out like the fact that she is unique among the people as having an octopus lower yeah. half rather than a f- more fishy lower half is Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that scene is very, again, not terrifying, but it is like a very fantastic, don't fuck with this woman. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's actually, she's been scary the whole time and certain, like, I think she's such a good villain, but like she's, there's legit stakes. Like she's like, what you want in a climax and it's like, she seems like she's going to win, you know, she's big and she grows big and powerful and I guess all you had to do was stab her with a ship. Case closed. Did you catch when Ariel was half transitioning into one of the poor unfortunate soul's garden creatures and she's like all waif-like yeah. and creepy? Yeah. Haunting. Yeah. I only had a few more things that I wanted to talk about. You want to talk about the animation? Just I did want to talk about the animation. First off, though, I do want to point out, Ariel, you have red hair. You cannot wear a pink dress yeah. with your red hair. Lesson number one. Ugh. anyway the animation i thought this was interesting because i mean as we discussed this is like uh disney's sort of comeback yeah right after roger rabbit i mean we all loved oliver and company and the music of billy joel that was used there but this was their really like their big comeback into animation and 
coming away from their original plan of like just sort of moving their animation department straight to TV and doing things like DuckTales and, and Rescue Rangers, things like that. But I thought it was funny because I think you see this dissipate over the next like sort of three big movies over Beauty and the Beast. And I think by the time you get to Lion King, it, these sort of ticks and tropes are kind of gone, but they're very cartoony, like TV cartoony choices in this. Mm. I thought like sound effects wise, there were some things you wouldn't see in Lion King. Like when Flounder gets caught in the porthole when they're going in that sunken ship, she pushes him out and he literally makes like a cork <laughs> yeah. popping sound. And when Sebastian is watching them in Ariel's grotto, he like finds some eyeglasses and he he blinks and there's yeah. like, bing, bing. Right. And then like just in terms of like animation, like sort of ticks, they do a lot of crazy eyes on people. Mm. They do like the the red rings in people's eyes when they're really mad. Like that's how you know when they're really mad. Louis gets them, Ursula gets them a few times. It just like stands out to me because I feel like within a few years, Disney would just create a better expression or do some lighting trick or doing right. do something a little bit more cinematic yeah. to evoke something like that rather than like have Flounder literally shaking all over to yeah. show how scared he is. It's just, I think, one of those transitionary things in, in Disney that That's you really can't just be looking for it. I didn't notice that. I did notice Ariel's hair. Oh my God. Isn't it great? It is great, except for... There. Do you mean when it's at rest or like just of the animation of the hair in general? The animation of the hair in general, I think, was was good. Her hair is loo- like this big. But yeah, the swoop. This like it Dan like, Rather style comb over. Yeah. I think if this were made a little bit later, they would have done more playing with the fact that it's in the ocean. They do some, you know, like it floats in a way that it wouldn't out in the air. But it is it does just kind of stay. It is a weird hairstyle. I will push back though. I think there are some like moments with the hair that I think are really like there's a moment when she's like pulling down on her hair when she first sees Eric on the beach. Yeah. And it looks amazing. I'm like, you it looks like almost real hair. I mean, fire engine red real hair, but right. still, like it looks really fantastic. And I think there's a shot of her when she's singing with the sun behind her. It looks really good when she the famous picture of her splashing with Salutation the splash coming the up sun. behind her. Right. When she, <laughs> the hair looks great. There's even a scene like, I think the first, in that first song where Eric is on his boat coming down and you see his hair sort of being tousled in the wind. There's some really great hair animation, which you would not expect in an animated movie, especially a hand-drawn animated movie. Animated. And I thought like the there's some under the sea effects that I thought were really good. There's a lot of bubbles going on, yeah. but also they do a lot of good like reflection work on the seafloor, like evokes, they feel like they're in a space rather than just like floating on a cell, on a background mm. painting. They, they feel like there is a living sea around them. I noticed, I thought, they also stop did, talking. And this is not necessarily like animation specific, but more of a choice of the animators was like there there was a fish in a bubble and he's holding his breath because they couldn't be able to breathe. I like that. <laughs> was that I think that was in, in the, under the sea or under around the sea, yeah, that, that, yeah. that fish yeah. gets stuck in the fish gets in the bowl. I'm not gonna do the accent. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, Max's nostrils were another that that was another oh. note I note uh, Ursula's eyes and then Max's nostrils, which is Eric's dog, oh, his yeah. nostrils are super cartoon lunacy going on when he sniffs in several scenes. I'm like, I got it, Disney. You don't have to. 
I know how noses work. He can smell. You don't have to show me the literal like functions. He, I know he's a dog, so he can smell very sensitively. But it also made me think she probably stinks. She probably smells like fish. <laughs> like fish. <laughs> because she's uh, half fish. Because she's half fish. And she just came out of the sea after living there. I mean, <laughs> think about cigarette hair getting, if you have long hair and cigarette <laughs> smoke gets stuck in your hair. Yeah. I'm sure living in the sea, your red, beautiful hair, yeah. beautifully animated, smells like fish shit. If I go to a barbecue restaurant, I have to like burn all my clothes, <laughs> shave my head, and wash my glasses. So I can only imagine. I think we got to move on. I think we got to Oh, yeah. Let's get out of here. Let's verdict it. DJ. Yes. What is your verdict on uh, The Little Mermaid? Open parenthetical, 1989, closed parenthetical. Okay. So this is complicated for me to answer. The general verdict is your inner child is not an idiot. This movie mm-hmm. is great with the caveats that we, the problems that you could easily identify and it's not a perfect movie, but it was very enjoyable. Now, my inner child was an idiot because I set this aside as a girl movie when I was a young a young mm-hmm. child. And that was wrong. If I saw my seven-year-old self, I'd punch him in the face. No. He had it coming. <laughs> this movie's great. The songs are bangers. It's nice, tight 90-minute movie. Love a short-ass movie. <laughs> I thought not only was it short, which a lot of children's movies are, it was also pretty tightly scripted. Like, you know, I was talking about, oh, I didn't remember this song in the beginning. Here we go. It's like 25 seconds. Yeah, it's not a long song. And it sets the tone. Almost everything in here serves some sort of narrative or character purpose. That's what it should be, right? That's it's almost when, screenwriting 101. It really is. <laughs> and it and it's surprising how difficult it is and how many times children's movies get to like get a pass because they're like, it doesn't have to make sense. Kids are stupid. I'm like, no, they're not. But some of them are. But you can still <laughs> create this movie that obviously millions of children love, arguably billions, this movie, but it still like makes sense and they're like very fairly well defined characters that have wants and desires and we can say what's problematic about those desires when she's a 16 year old princess, but I think it's great. The songs rule I would like to nominate Ursula slash Pat Carroll for the oh, yeah. Sally Field Award. I would also like to... What scene is that Sally Field Award for, please? Just want to get that in my uh, nomination notes. I'll have to send this over to Ernst & Young or whatever the fuck the, well, the Academy Awards do. The Sally Field Single Scene Award would be for Le Poisson, Le Poisson. Oh, I see. Okay. For Louis. Louis. And I, I think I said this wrong. Ursula should be the Catherine O'Hara MVP, Memorial MVP Award. Absolutely. What did you think? Seconded. Put it in the notes. Damon, what is your verdict? Thank you. You're a child is not an idiot. Duh. <laughs> yeah, there's some problematic things in here. And I guess if you're showing this to your kids, you might want to, I don't know, fucking talk to them or whatever. I don't know what you people do. <laughs> that sounds exhausting. What if uh, I just put them in front of the That's why I put the movie on in the first place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't even get around to talking about Scuttle, but oh, yeah. I- Loved Scuttle so much. Yes. He's great in almost every scene he pops up in. Yes, every scene he pops up in. Uh, Why am I hedging my bets? I mean, it probably there are some elements of it that that don't age well, especially like Ariel being a sort of a passive damsel in distress in the last scene of her own fucking movie. Stab Ursula yourself. 
Get on that ship. Turn the wheel. Slap her with your fluke. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, yeah, I agree with all your points. Ursula's fantastic. Le Poisson is still, I don't even know how I'm supposed to be saying that. That's why you have to do an exaggerated French accent so no one realizes that you don't Don't know what you're supposed to be saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a great movie. The songs are all fantastic. This is a great comeback for Disney. And now, now they own all of us. I think they have a, you know, a controlling stake in this podcast somehow. I'm going to be played by Chris Pratt, unfortunately. But yeah, it's a great movie. Your child's not an idiot. (laughs) Done. And it's queer as heck. Don't forget that. Yeah. What do you think, everybody? Email us, your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can text us or leave a voicemail, 615-576-0525. Almost went to episode ideas. Let me just read out the American president. Are you trying to lure a squirrel over? What are you? Did I tell you my my squirrel squirrel trick that does not work? Which is what? Please do tell me this nice this hack. I, I saw an TikTok somewhere that if you if you go like this, the squirrels think it's a it's a tail and they'll come to you. No, it, no, they won't. Oh, really? All the information on TikTok is usually pretty sound. <laughs> we want to thank our patrons, including Just Cuz, Lindsay Halleck, Scalphosaurus. I mean, twice in one episode. Tommy Boy is my favorite movie. And thank you, Tommy Boy is my favorite movie, and your beautiful little monsters, your children who made <laughs> the. <laughs> The song for Damon's Problematic Corner this week. Uh, we love you. Travis Vance. Beth Sermont. Karen Curd. Larissa Maestro. Lindsay Nell. That was my Pat Carroll voice. Okay. <laughs> it just sounds like you're doing like a Vincent Price, like inter- you introducing like a 1950s movie on TV. Particle Man. Shit on the cartouche. T. Smith. The elusive Van Grumgen. Captain John Luke Picard. Caroline Amberson. Damon's Australian. Wait, I can't even remember how to do my own accent. Damon's Australian. David Mort. Dr. Malcolm's heaving bosom. Dramatically placed hot dog. Heather Tuggle. His honor, the mayor. Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with me, Damon. <laughs> James Taylor. Jeremy Powell. Jonathan Day. Josh Frigo. The Hands of Fate. The McWilly House of Cats. The supreme ruler of this podcast. And the zesty. Thank you all very much for supporting. Thank you. If you want to support like them, patreon.com slash your inner child's an idiot. You can join all kinds of levels, put your suggestions in, chat with us, go to special live streams, uh, exclusive episodes, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Want to thank We Edit Podcast for editing this podcast. If you want to click the link in our show notes, we have an affiliate link. If you want to get your own podcast edited, you can. What's your favorite of the non-speaking characters? Non-speaking characters? Not non-speaking characters. What is the, your favorite, like the the lesser Little Mermaid characters? <laughs> I do like Grimsby because you know I love a person who is a delightfully indoorsy. Yes. <laughs> I also love Edie McClurg and she plays Carlotta, the sort of like the maid, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what, the head of house in, in Prince Eric's house. Let me think of some lesser known. I'm going the seahorse, little seahorse buddy. Oh! Sebastian, Sebastian. Wait, is the seahorse queer, you think? Mm. Sebastian, I've been looking all over for you. (laughs) I mean, who's wearing a ruff casually? Like, it's one thing when you come out at the opera house to announce King Triton. (laughs) It's another thing when you're just Just going about the sea with a ruff around your neck. (laughs) I'm sorry.